What is the latest on the Mariners and Yoshinobu Yamamoto? And what would a successful season for Dom Canzone look like in 2024? And are the Mariners overcorrecting for their strikeout problems this past season? We'll answer that and a whole lot more coming up here on Mailbag Monday. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Monday, November 27, 2023. This is Tidying Azalis and Colby Batnett for the Locked On Mariners podcast brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's L O C K D O N to get yourself started. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial to check out the show. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description of this episode and this episode is of course mailbag monday the show where we answer your mariners questions we're going to start here with steve who wants to know what would be a successful season for dom canzone in 2024 colby boy coming out of the gates hot with a dom canzone question um mm-hmm. what's a successful season for him i don't know what's a really good wrc plus for tacoma because that's where he belongs um he's not a major leaguer yet um could be but uh so i think in theory a successful season for dom canzone is proving that he's a major leaguer in any sense because last year he wasn't um so i think if you're gonna get you know i think we we feel pretty good that canzone's not gonna hit lefties we saw him get a few at bats against lefties and oof, boy not even close um and so you can't really the mariners shouldn't go into this season thinking that dom canzone should be in their lineup at all like that's how you need to plan this but if he does come up and he does force the mariners hands that's a successful season so if dom canzone is so good in triple a that he forces his way into the lineup and stays in the lineup as a result that's a successful season so whether that's you know a 120 wrc plus or a 110 hopefully it's closer to 120 because you know you have a lot better options but um i think if he does roughly what kelnick did last year in terms of just ratio numbers um, then I think that's a pretty successful season uh, for him. But we know that the, the raw power is there. Uh, we know that he can put the ball in play. We know that he'll draw walks. So uh, to me, a successful season is one, it's not really numbers-based. It's just one where he forces his way into the starting lineup or into regular at-bats with, without it being because you know the Mariners' offseason addition really struggled and, and they just didn't have a choice. So they went with Dom Canzone. If he earns at bats, and I mean literally earns them because he's just better than other, you know, solid players, then that's a successful season for for Dom Canzone. Yeah, agreed. So uh, I think first and foremost, like you said, he needs to prove that he's a major leaguer. And then to push that a little bit further, I would say that he needs to at least establish himself as a league average fourth outfielder for this yep. uh, for this upcoming season to be considered a success. Next question here comes from Max. Elaborate more on the Yoshinobu Yamamoto details you are pondering. Do the Mariners actually have a shot at landing him, and what is it going to cost? 
All right. So for those of you that don't know, because we haven't covered him a lot on the show, admittedly, uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto is a 25-year-old right-handed pitcher coming over from Japan. He is arguably the second best free agent on the market outside of Shohei Otani. And the reason that we haven't really talked about him a lot is because early reports said that he was basically only considering East Coast teams like the Red Sox, the Mets, the Yankees. Um, for a while there, it seemed like he was just a slam dunk to be a Met. doesn't seem like that's the case. Then there were reports saying that actually he only wants to be on the West Coast. He wants to be cl- as close as possible to home as he can be in, in Major League Baseball. And the Dodgers have obviously uh, openly courted him. I mean, he was sitting courtside at a Lakers game and stuff like that recently. So um, this is all to say that we overall don't really, really know what Yamamoto wants because there is a lot of conflicting reports out there. Uh, but as of late, specifically over the last week or so, him and the Mariners have picked up traction. John Morosi mentioned him for the Mariners a couple weeks ago, and then it did it again this morning. Jason Churchill has said that the Mariners are, are linked to the to Yamamoto and really like the uh, and really like Yamamoto on his podcast, Baseball Things, on Patreon. Uh, so after hearing that, I started asking around myself, and I've heard the same things the Mariners really really like Yoshinobu Yamamoto uh and it all indications seem to be that they're planning on or they already have gotten very aggressive in their pursuit of Yamamoto and I think they they believe that they have a real shot at getting him now this is a possibility that I'd like to dive into a bit deeper um on a future episode where we don't have a bunch of questions to to answer uh this isn't really the forum to to do that so maybe tomorrow's episode we'll dive more into the yamamoto stuff uh but just to to quickly talk about what i've I've been talking about on twitter today um what my from my understanding i get the sense that the mariners are not necessarily putting their offseason on pause but they are kind of waiting to see if they're going to get yamamoto because it's going to have a major trickle down effect on how they pursue or how they attack the offseason from that point forward, specifically the hitting portion of the market. Um, because you know, what have we talked about in the buildup to this offseason? What is the easiest way for the Mariners to get significantly better in 2024? What is the strength of the market? Well, that's the pitching. Well, the Mariners are very good in the pitching department, as is they might have already the best rotation in baseball, if not at least top three, top five. But why not make the strength even greater and then trade? from your depth, specifically Brian Wu, Bryce Miller, to go out and get the bat or bats that you need. Right? Makes sense in general. And like if you got Yamamoto, you have hands down the best rotation in all of baseball. Hands down, no questions about it. Logan Gilbert is probably your fourth best starter. So yeah, so we'll dive into this a bit more maybe tomorrow. Uh but I think there there is some legitimate smoke there. I think the Mariners are very interested in Yamamoto. I think they are going to be pretty aggressive in their pursuit of him. Uh, and I and I think there is, and again, we'll talk about this tomorrow and, and why I believe this. I think there is real reason to to think that he would actually legitimately consider the Mariners over a team like the Dodgers, over a team like the Red Sox. The money has to be relatively close. And there are teams that are more desperate for pitching than the Mariners are for sure that have, in theory, more money to to be willing to spend on someone like Yamamoto. So I'm not saying that it's a guarantee or anything like that, that he is going to be a Mariner. But I have an infinitely easier case to make for the Mariners and Yamamoto than 
Otani or any other big name free agent, not just this year, but over the last couple of years. So sure. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the sales pitch and stuff tomorrow. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would still say it's more likely than not that he doesn't sign with Seattle because again, about half the league uh, is interested in him, but, uh, the fact, uh, apparently Yamamoto is meeting with all the teams that are interested over zoom this week. And then the plan is, is that next week at the winter meetings, he'll sit down with the finalist and he'll talk to them. Uh, at the winter meetings that sounds like that's what the plan is right now so seattle will know if they have a shot at him in a week uh mm-hmm. yeah in a, in a week from today they'll know whether or probably sooner than a week from today they'll know if they have a shot with him or not but they also know that in order to you know even win a, a sit down with yamamoto they have to be willing to pay his market and his market is going to be at least 200 million dollars um mm-hmm that may or may not include the posting fee, which is at least $20 million. So yeah, um, it's $20 million to even negotiate with them. Uh, and then if you don't sign them, obviously you, you get the 20 million back, but uh, it's $20 million uh, minimum. And then he's going to get at least 180 million. And I bet he probably gets closer to 230 million. So I think you're probably looking at a total investment around 250 million. That could be over eight years. That could be over 12 years. Um, we'll see, but the, but the Mariners know that going in, they know yeah. how much it's going to cost and they're still trying to get that meeting with them it means they're willing to spend that or right. at least they're willing to spend near that. Uh, and that's right. that in and of itself is a, a pretty good sign that they have a shot to, uh, to land him because it, there is a compelling sales pitch to be made to Yamamoto and, and we'll go over that. Uh, I assume tomorrow, unless right. the Mariners make a, uh, a deal of some kind with somebody else. Right. Right. So very quickly on that, because I know a lot of you are typing furiously away saying like, why should I believe that the Mariners are going to spend that money? What has evidence said really over the last couple of years, right? Like I know that they haven't signed a bunch of big name guys, but they have spent some on guys like Julio and Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray. Uh, We know that they have been aggressive on, not as aggressive as they needed to be, but fairly aggressive on guys like Trevor Story and Marcus Simeon. We've heard from Ryan Divish, you know, recently on on the Sea Level podcast, say that the Mariners are willing to to offer Shohei Otani fifty five to sixty million dollars a year. It's just the years. The what the problem here is, and I think this is becoming more and more clear with more information that we're getting over the last you know couple of weeks and over the last couple of years that the Mariners, the, the issue hasn't been get, paying top dollar in terms of annual salary. It's the years. They don't want to be locked down for seven plus years, right? For whatever reason, they don't feel that whatever happens in, you know, between years six through 10 is worth whatever you get in years one through five. We can mm-hmm. have a major, major discussion about that, but also, right. Some something else to consider here in terms of the long-term deals. I think they are willing to give them to guys that they consider unicorns, right? Julio. Yeah. And Julio is not just a unicorn in terms of his ceiling and his on-field production. He was also 21 years old at the time that they gave him that deal. And when we're talking about a lot of these free agents, most free agents, they're hitting the market at 28 to 30 years old. They're either already in their prime or they're towards the end of their prime. And they're still asking for eight to 13 years. You know, look at Xander Bogarts, right. look at Trey Turner, look at some of those guys, right, that have signed those massive deals recently. Yamamoto is only 25 years old. 
I think they feel a lot more comfortable in giving Yamamoto something like a eight to nine year deal, something like that. I'm not, I'm not saying that's actually what it's going to be, but I think they would be willing to give him that more than they would Marcus Simeon, right? For example. So let's just keep that in mind when we're talking about this particular process. I don't think that maybe the same skepticism that a lot of Mariners fans have can be applied that, that we have with like, Otani or Bellinger or something like that can be necessarily applied to someone like Yamamoto because he's a very unique case in that regard because of his age. All right, we got a few more questions to answer in just a moment. But first, a reminder, this episode of the Locked On Mariners podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and a whole lot more. And yeah, the Mariners might not be playing right now, but the Kraken and Seahawks are. So whether the action is on turf or on the ice, you can bet on it all with FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and kick off the NFL season. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. And as a reminder, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel or the Locked On Podcast Network work your team every day and uh, this is mailbag monday here on the locked on mariners podcast we're answering your mariners questions got one here from deep hanky you guys more concerned about the front office prioritizing contact too much at the expense of slugging similar similar to the guardians in 2023 or not adding another impactful proven arm to the bullpen or is it too early to be concerned it is too early to be concerned i would say uh but colby if you had to pick one of the two what are you picking? Uh, I'd be more concerned about them not adding a, another bullpen arm uh, because that's something they actually haven't really done in, in a while is, is go out and spend money uh, on the bullpen. Now, bullpen hasn't been a huge issue. Like It's not like them not spending has cost them, you know, it's led them to have one of the worst bullpens in baseball. No, it's, it's quite the opposite. They haven't spent money. They've sent resources, but they haven't spent money, significant amounts on the bullpen. And the bullpen has, you know, been really good. It took a step back this last year, but, you know, they did trade one of their most valuable members in that bullpen midseason. So, you know, it's pretty easy to draw a line there. Uh, But they've already subtracted from the bullpen uh, this year so far. um, And they haven't replaced Isaiah Campbell yet. Um, And again, they will at some point. They'll add a a bullpen arm or, or they'll trade for you know, whoever this year's Justin Topa is, or they'll claim somebody who gets DFA'd when another team signs a free agent. Um, but I, I do think that they should be willing to spend a little bit of money on the bullpen. Um, you know, it's similar to the Yamamoto uh, idea of like, just make your strength even better. Like 
preventing runs is the same as scoring runs. And if you're an offense that's going to be wildly inconsistent, then you kind of have to hold on to these games where you have a one-run lead in the seventh. Like, you have to win those games. Uh, and the Mariners just don't have the arms to really do that consistently enough uh, to feel good about you know your offense being so inconsistent. So to me, it's the bullpen arm. Uh, but by the way, we don't know that they're over-prioritizing strikeouts on, on offense. I mean, they went from... Gino to Urias, but they also went from Murphy to Sebi Zevi and, and Sebi Zevi struck out like 37% of the time last year. So we don't know that that's what they're doing. Now you had Rojas into the mix. You had Canzone into the mix. It does certainly look like they're trying to, uh, you know, curb that, that problem a little bit with not so great players, but if they go out and they trade for Brent Rooker to be their DH, which makes some sense then the strikeout number goes up but you don't care because that guy's hitting 30 home runs with a 125 wrc plus so it's a balancing act i think they are trying to cut down strikeouts in areas but i don't think they're going to go to the extreme of being like the 2023 uh guardians where it's just like everybody has to have a sub 20 percent strikeout rate they're willing to live with some strikeouts it's just you can't live with it being, you know, five yeah. guys in a row at thirty percent strikeout rates. Right, like, and like they're that. and they're naturally going to have to, right, because they're not trading Cal, they're not trading Julio, no. you know, yep. and those guys they strike out. They, they they they're naturally going to have guys like that. But yeah, it's like it's like what you said, and it's what we talked about with, uh, within the context of the Geno trade that you just can't have. You know, think back on the the bases loaded situations against both the Nationals and, and the Angels, right? Those two situations really stick in the mind of Mariners fans coming off of this season. What was the main issue there? They weren't able to put the ball in play. They weren't able to lift the ball in the air when all they really needed in that situation was a sacrifice fly. And that's partly because they have too many high strikeout guys stacked next to one another in the, in the lineup. You know, when you got, when you have like Teoscar Hernandez, Cal Raleigh, Eugenio Suarez, Jared Kelnick, all hitting, you know, three, four, five, six in your lineup or four, five, six, seven in your lineup. Yeah, you're going to expose yourself to multiple strikeouts during that stretch. So I, I think it's just really what that's about is just about breaking up your lineup more. Uh, but I, I, you know, I have voiced my concerns, uh, especially, you know, after the Geno trade that maybe they're, they are overcorrecting for the strikeout issue. Cause again, if you're producing, you can strike out as much as you want. As long as you're producing, like if Teo was a 130 WRC plus guy, but he was still striking out at the same rate that he did this year, then who cares? He'd still right? be I'm, here. We're we're t- we're talking about they need to resign Teoscar, you know, and they probably mm-hmm. you know give him the qualifying offer at that point. Yep. All right. Gabe wants to know: Is it more likely the that the Mariners try to get better by upgrading the offense, doubling down on pitching slash defense? A little bit of both. Neither trade so far don't seem to indicate much in either of those directions. Uh, I think they're going to try and do both. Um, because why wouldn't you, particularly in this market, um, the value in this market is on the pitching side. That is where the, a majority of the good players are is in the bullpen and in the rotation. So you can't, you know, you can't squeeze water out of a stone, right? Like at some point you just got to go with the flow and, and if pitching is where the strength is and then go spin on some pitching and then you go trade for offense. Um, if it was the other way around, then yeah, go spend some money on the offense and then, you know, you have your pitching. So I think they're going to try and do both. Uh, I think ultimately what ends up happening is that they make semi-moderate upgrades in both areas instead of like greatly impacting their starting pitching and then just going out and getting like Adam Duvall. I think it's more like, hey, we got Jorge Soler and and 
Shota Imanaga, and there you go, right? Instead of like one star uh, and then one scrub, you get like two mid-level, above mid-level. Uh, some, you know, you get those type of players, and then you go get your your ancillary pieces, uh, mm-hmm. you know, later in, in the winter. So, I think they're going to try and do both. I think if they were to go, like it, if they were to swing in one direction or another, spending most money, it'd be on the pitching side. Is where they would spend. It's where they would feel comfortable spending most of their money. Um, but that again, that could, I think it's it could be you know Soler and and Imanaga. It could be. Uh, Hoskins and you know pick the mid rotation starter you like that's out there Hoskins and Waka and and Stevenson like it, it could be one of each and at you know in the lineup in the bullpen in the rotation so uh, I think they're going to try and do both but if you're telling me that the Mariners are going to spend at like top of the market on either an offensive player or a pitcher I would bet heavily that they do it on a pitcher right and what did we just talk about with Yamamoto right it's very possible that you can get better offensively because you got better defensively or at your pitching spots, right? So I mean, honestly, even if you don't trade one of those guys, if you don't trade a Miller Wu for offense, because I tell you what, winning two to one is just as good as winning five to three. Like sure, sure, just win. You're listening to the Lockdown Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen here on Mailbag Monday. Got a question here from Campbell. Y'all were to rank the starting pitchers available. Where would you, uh, where would Blake Snell, uh, rank and who would you rather sign? Uh, so now that Sonny Gray's off the market, Aaron Nola's off the market. Um, Yamamoto's number one. He's the definitive number one. I would say Snell's probably number two, and then number three is Montgomery and four, Imanaga. Maybe I'm missing someone. Am I missing someone, Colby? Uh, think so there are there's a lot of depth in the uh in the free agent class there's not a lot of top end talent so it kind of depends on how much you trust uh blake snell uh but no i think that's about right uh i i think you can make an argument that um i think you can make an argument that uh montgomery is better than snell certainly you know comes with less risk than than signing blake snell but if you're just talking about like pure, like who's the best, um, you know, who is the best arm, then yeah, it's probably Yamamoto, then Snell. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is probably up there somewhere. Right. I also forgot about Stroman. I don't think Stroman's better than any of the guys you named, but sure. Uh, I would say he's top five. I, I We could have a debate about him in, in E-Rod mm. for sure. Because I, I think Erod would be my number five, right after the four guys that I listed. But I think there's I a mean, debate there. Between assuming we're taking Kershaw off the table, because like he's going to resign with the Dodgers, he's, and he's also hurt. He's also yeah, he's going to miss right? most of next year. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think it's Yamamoto. Uh, I think I think the tricky one here is where do you put Woodruff? Because yeah, if he was well, healthy, just, yeah, he'd be number yeah, two. Yeah, he was. If he was healthy, yeah, he would. I would put him over Snell, but he's not. And do you so like is Julio Urias ever going to pitch again? I hope not for you, but just in general, like because obviously stuff wise, he's high on that list. But I don't know if he's ever going to pitch again. So, right. uh, yeah, I think it probably goes Yamamoto, Snell, 
Montgomery, Imanaga, Stroman. No, Rodriguez, Stroman, Woodruff. Yeah. I think. Connor wants to know, is it realistic to believe that Harry Ford could be an everyday player for the Mariners by September of 2024? No. No. Next uh, question. It is not. It is not. Could he make his debut? Very, very small chance. Uh, I would say that Cole Young doesn't have a high likelihood of doing this either, but has a much higher likelihood of doing it this year than, than Harry Ford does. So. Agreed. I'd almost argue Colt Emerson has a better shot to do this than Harry Ford. <laughs> like an everyday player. Everyday player by September of 2024. That's, that's... So you're telling me he's in the lineup 20 times between September 1 and October 1. Zero yeah, percent chance. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. I could maybe Zero. see with Cole Young. I could maybe see with Cole Young. And that's more just even uh, that. Because like here, here's the thing is like I don't think that the Mariners are going to abandon the 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 catching aspect of Ford's game just yet. There's no reason so, to. So that you know, that's gonna take time, right? And they're gonna be very, right. very patient with him. Whereas like with, with Young, like we know that he's going to play up the middle. He's gonna play short or second, mm-hmm. and and most likely probably if he re- if he makes it to Seattle, he's probably gonna play second base. And uh the Mariners are obviously not super strong at second base right now. So I could see an outcome here where Young has another great season down on the minors and come August or so, makes his way onto the team pops a little bit and all of a sudden they go you know what he he gives us our best shot at second base i think he'll probably start this year back in in high a ball but i would be pretty shocked if he wasn't in double a by middle of may um and if you're in double a you have a shot to make the big leagues in that same year yeah so yeah ford's gonna go back to to everett um and he's had like ford he hasn't regressed or anything he hasn't you know taken a step back he's progressing very nicely it's just the Mm -hmm. bat hasn't outpaced his progress band the plate enough that they're going to move him off of that and again he's 20 years old there's no reason to so uh ford i think you're i think you're early by about at least six months would be my guess and and even then i don't know if he's an everyday player uh you know as a 21 22 year old but Mm -hmm. uh yeah ford i would say zero percent chance uh young i'd say like five percent yeah. yeah, I mean, unless Ford just you know turns into Juan Soto at the plate uh, for the next you know for the first four or five months of the year, but that's no, something I'd he say hasn't done. So that's no yeah, reason. That's, that's, that's wishful thinking, I would say. Yep. All right. Last question of the day comes from Jake. Seeing Colby on the CTZ Twitter say a few times you'll still be at the ballpark in a few months in response to fans criticizing the team. I do think it begs the question, but to y'all, where is the line on criticism slash emotional reaction to front office moves? Colby, this is, I guess, more of a question for you. So floor is yours. Yeah. You know, I see people be like, they traded a Eugenio. Like I'm not going to any more games. It's like, yes, you are. Of course you are. Uh, because I got news for you. If a Eugenio was the only reason you were going to the ballpark, you're lying to everybody. So of course you're going to go watch him play. Uh, you know, as to like, what's the line? I mean, I don't know if they signed Wander Franco. I'm certainly out. I'm not giving them any of my money. Um, but yeah, like just in terms of like personnel moves, like, if they trade a player I like for a player I don't like, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop supporting the team, right? There has to be very specific things that happen off the field when they acquire a player. And the team has to know that they're acquiring a legitimate bad person. It's personal with everybody. So like 
if you're really upset, like Gino was your favorite player and you're upset they traded him, fine. I totally get that. And in November, it's real easy for you to sit here and say, I'm not going to any Mariner games next year because those are six months away. But eventually, you know, you're going. So stop with this, you know, stop with this, you know, pounding your chest like, oh, look at me. I'm boycotting you because you're not not going to. Because again, if this was the breaking point, you already broke a long time ago or you never cared to begin with. So you're going to go to the ballpark, stop with the whole like I'm canceling my season tickets because you traded Gino. No, you're not. No, you're not. If you are, if you really are, then you already canceled them a long time ago. You just don't care enough. So again, not telling you how to fan. If you're really upset that they traded Gino, fine. Don't lie. Don't lie. We know you're going to the ballpark after this. We know that if the Mariners are in, you know, they're August and, and they're, on pace to win a hundred games and they're battle and they're fighting off the Astros and the Rangers for the American league West title. There's going to be 45,000 people in that ballpark on a Saturday night for the rest of the year. Of course there is. Of course there is. You're emotional now because they traded a player that you really like kind of out of nowhere and you don't understand what they're trying to do. So you just lash out, but we know you're going to the ballpark. So just stop, mm. just stop. Mm. This isn't the Oakland A's. Okay, yeah. they're not screwing you out of your ball club. They traded a guy. Right. Welcome to baseball. That stuff right. happens every year. The, You're gonna the, be okay. The way I interpreted this question was more like what what is a valid criticism of the front office, like for fans, and what is just like emotional. Like oh, okay. for me, I don't I don't I don't know if that's actually the case. That's just how I personally interpreted it. So that's how I was gonna frame my answer. Uh so I just wanted mm-hmm. to preface that real quick. But for me, like I Fans should absolutely want to win, demand winning, yep. demand the most out of their front office, out of their ownership mm-hmm. to do everything in their power to win and to bring World Great. Series titles to their to their city. I, I I think it does cross the line though when assumptions are made, particularly in November, right? And I get like if you've seen evidence of it in previous years that affects how you're going to interpret things and in, in future years, totally understand that, right? Because like last offseason, for example, Colby and I spent months and months saying after you know the Wong deal and the Pollock deal, like, you know, just wait. They, they you know, there's still a lot of offseason left. They're probably gonna do something else, and then they really didn't, right? So I I get it from that perspective. Um I I think really like the the thing that that irks me a little bit, and I kind of touched upon this a little bit with the the Yamamoto stuff earlier, is like because the Mariners haven't spent on a ton of big name players, now people have turned that into they just don't spend at all. And that's not really like like all of a sudden, like the Mariners have gone from like a mid-tier team in terms of spending to like th- they're they're the A's. That's like the reputation yeah. that they have now all of a sudden. It's like, that's weird to me and not at all accurate um, and not at all like a, a general basis for an interesting conversation that I want to have, frankly. Um, the other thing too is like when we start comparing people like Jerry DePoto to like actual public figures who have an impact on like the daily lives of society as a whole, and I think some people know what I'm specifically referencing <laughs> right now because we got a comment that did this a few days ago. Uh, that really steps over the line because at the end of the day, this is baseball. We're talking about baseball. We're talking about entertainment. These people work in entertainment, right? You can totally disagree with the way that they operate. You can obviously this is a very personal thing for for a lot of people. Their connection to the Mariners is obviously a very personal uh, thing. I, I totally understand that. 
Um, but like there are some things that, that I see people say that go far beyond what this ultimately is, what the situation ultimately calls for. And at the end of the day, we're talking about a, a game made for children, right? That, that we all like to enjoy watching it and play it at the highest level, sure. but that's just all it is at the end of the day. It's just, it's just a sport, right? Trying to have some perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, when fans cross the line is when it gets like really personal and it's like, like people throw around fire, somebody like legitimately angrily, like fire this person, fire that person way too often. Um, but yeah, if you're, you know, like, what's the line? Um, like when's what's fair to criticize, it's fair to criticize the front office for any move they make. Yeah. That's their job. Uh, that's just part of sports. Right. What's not fair is assuming that, uh, whatever move they make is going to be bad automatically just because they made it. Right. That's, that's not fair. So, uh, yeah, it depends on how you interpret the question. So yeah, if I interpreted it like time, my answer would probably be closer to his, but I didn't. So, right. right. That's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dan Gonzalez, S-D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you next time. Peace.